Hey everyone, uh, great to have you joining me for a midweek update. And uh, listen, we have a great uh, conference praise report for Texas. It was absolutely fantastic. And it was great to meet so many people in Texas. Can't wait to get back there. And uh, maybe you're in an area and you'd like us to come out have a Hope for Our Times conference in your area. Listen, just send us a note. You can contact us through, uh, just contact us on the, on, on the website and it'll say contact and also on the app. And by the way, you can sign up, uh, just be part of our newsletter. If you wanna stay connected, uh, go to the website or on the app and you can do just that, stay connected. And we send out a, a weekly newsletter to keep everybody updated on what is happening. All right, let's get going because folks, this will happen. No matter what anybody says, it will happen. 60 years ago, most Christians have never heard of the rapture. Today, even unbelievers have heard of it, although few know what it is. You can't find the word rapture in a concordance, so many Christians question whether or not the rapture is even biblical. Bible scholars know the rapture is in the Bible, but they disagree on the details. I think the Bible itself settles those disagreements, and on a future program, I hope to tackle some of the controversies, but today, I want to focus on the basics of what the rapture is and what it means for each of us. It's an astounding study of an event so big that you will be astonished all over again at the greatness of Jesus Christ. So let's get going. Uh, what is the rapture? Well, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 17, describes it like this. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we who are alive and remain uh, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. That term caught up is a translation of the Greek word harpazo. It literally means to seize. How Lindsay calls the rapture, uh, the great snatch. We will be snatched away from this world, seized away in Latin, uh, harpazo is translated as rapturo, from which we get our English word rapture. So we have harpazo, uh, we have rapturo, and then we have, of course, the English term rapture, all coming uh, from that term harpazo, which means to seize. Again, we're going to get into the disagreements and uh, the different controversies that people have in a future program. But let's get back to this for right now, because I think when we just look at it biblically, we can get a good understanding of what the Bible actually does say. So let's stick with that for now. Uh, so is the rapture in the Bible? It is. It's right here. Notice the Lord's role in the rapture. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. In the prophecy answer book, David Jeremiah, he wrote that right now, the Lord Jesus Christ is seated in the heavenlies at the right hand of the Almighty Father. But when the right moment comes, Jesus will initiate the rapture by literally and physically rising from the throne, stepping into the corridors of light, and actually descending into the atmosphere of planet Earth from which he rose into the heavens over the Mount of Olives 2,000 years ago. It's not the angels or the Holy Spirit, but the Lord. Uh, with a shout, Jesus himself will descend from heaven uh, into earth's atmosphere. And from there, he will seize us and draw us into heaven. 
And now think on this. When the dead in Christ are resurrected, they will be given new bodies. It's obvious that the dead have to be changed because, well, because they are dead. If, if they rose from their graves while still dead, uh, they would be like the zombie apocalypse. I mean, you think of that. They'd still be dead. So they have to be changed. How are they changed? 1 Corinthians 15 goes on to say, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. The corruptible, putting on incorruption, doesn't just mean a return to living flesh, uh, but a change in kind. Uh, the living flesh we now experience is corruptible. It is subject to sickness and death. When it dies, it disintegrates into a massive corruption. Zombie stuff is a picture of corruption, a picture of death walking, but God's resurrection is all about life obliterating death. The new, incorruptible bodies will contain life that cannot leave, health that must remain perfect, forever perfect. When Lazarus was raised from the dead, think about this. He was given a regular, albeit resurrected, earthly body, not resurrected in the new body that we're going to have, but a resurrected earthly body. But still, he eventually died again. Others in Scripture were also brought back uh, from the dead, but all of them eventually died anyway. So again, with Lazarus, John chapter 11, he rose from the grave, but he would have died again, right? So get that concept in your mind, because he didn't have the resurrected body like we are going to have. He was resurrected again with an earthly body. It was extreme healing. They were healed from being dead, uh, but it wasn't permanent. All right, think on this. Let's go a little bit further. Jesus was not the first in the Bible to be raised from the dead, but he was the first to be raised to everlasting life. He was the first to receive a new resurrection body, a glorified body that would never again be subject to death. That's why even though others had been raised from the dead before Jesus, Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, calls him the firstborn from the dead. He was the first to rise from the dead, never to die again. He was first but not last. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says, In Christ all shall be made alive, but each one in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Uh, so these dead bodies, uh, some of which long ago turned to dust, or cremated and scattered to the wind, or interred at sea, uh, their molecules broken down over times, swept by currents to oceans and seas all over the world. These dead bodies will rise again, but not as they were. They will be changed. They will be new. They will be better. 1 Corinthians 15 says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. To tell a mystery means to explain something that the Old Testament did not foretell. It had always been true, but until then, it had not been known. Uh, sleep is a word used often in the New Testament regarding the redeemed dead. Jesus himself said, 
uh, when he used the word sleep and speaking of his friend Lazarus, for example, he said that Lazarus was asleep. His disciples were glad to hear that he was finally getting some much needed rest. At least that's what they thought. But Jesus then explained that he was using the word sleep to refer to death. Use the word sleep in this context is a statement of faith in the resurrection. It means that like sleepers, they will rise again. So when Paul said, we shall not all sleep, he was saying that not all Christians will experience physical death. On resurrection morning, not every Christian believer will have died. Uh, what about those still alive at the moment the Lord calls his people away from the earth? The answer is as logical as it is stunning and thrilling. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Uh, we will not all die because some will be alive when the transformation happens. Uh, they will go from mortal to immortal without ever passing through death. In a moment, in the blink of an eye, the bodies of the living will be changed from corruptible to incorruptible. What will those new bodies be like? They will be like the body of Jesus, resurrected body. How do we know our new bodies will be like his body? Romans chapter 8, verse 29 says this, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. We usually think of being conformed to his image as something spiritual, and that's true. But it's also true physically. Philippians chapter 3, verse 21 says that, the Lord Jesus will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body. I'm using the New King James Bible, but the King James Version, the ESV, the English Standard Version, the New Living Translation, the New International Version, and others use the word like. Our resurrected bodies will be like his glorious body. Uh, the Greek word is somorphous. It literally means jointly formed. That means they are the same in kind. Imagine that one day you will receive a new physical body that will be the same in kind as the Lord's body. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 says, Beloved, now we are children of God. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Uh, let's be clear. If you are a Christ follower, a believer in Jesus, you are already right now a child of God. Amazing as that is, it's going to get even better. Christ will either raise you from the dead or transform you at the rapture. That transformation will be from either a dead or dying mortal body to a never dying, never even sick immortal body, an incorruptible body, that can never know death or sickness. No more creaky joints, no more shortness of breath, no more headaches, no more dying ever. Jesus will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, is what Philippians tells us. What do we know about his glorious body? Well, we know a lot, but we're gonna get into that next time because we're gonna see his glorious body and we're going to get a real good idea of what our bodies are going to be like. And I'll tell you this much. They're not going to be some fantasy or something make-believe, uh, but um, it's going to be real. And you 
and I are going to experience this. And if you're in Christ, you're going to see the Lord face to face. Folks, this is absolutely amazing to think of this. What hope we have in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what hope we have in the rapture. The trumpet is going to sound. And we who are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air with those who have already died in Christ before us. It is going to be the most incredible time that we could ever even imagine. And guess what? We're going to go to the place. The time is coming where there's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more sickness, for the former things will be gone. Uh, but to be in that place, to experience that new resurrected body, no more creaky joints, no more pain, no more gyms, none of that stuff. Uh, you have to know Christ. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except by me. Listen, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only way of forgiveness. He's the only way of salvation. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, not in your own way, not in your own religion, not in your good works, not in any other name, only Jesus. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. God bless you. Looking forward to next time as we look at what this body looks like and what the body of the Lord Jesus Christ looks like. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you.